0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to ARE Live. I'm Chris Hopstock, Architect Education Specialist here at Black Spectacles and your host for today's ARE Live. We're going to work through a construction and evaluation case study where we'll go through a handful of never-before-seen original questions from a set of construction documents uh, prepared by our expert guest, Garrick. He's joining us today from Kansas, and he's going to show you how to navigate case studies on the ARE, provide test-taking strategies, and answer all your burning case study-related questions with a Q&A session at the end of the episode. If you're joining us for the first time, Black Spectacles is the first-ever NCARB-approved online test prep provider for all six divisions of the ARE 5.0 test prep materials include video lectures, practice exams, quizzes, flashcards, and virtual workshops with a variety of membership options available either for individual architects, firms, AIA chapters, or schools. If you're curious about how you can get your whole firm on a membership and have your boss pay for it, go to blackspectacles.com and head over to our firm pricing section. I'll share that link in the chat. Uh, we're also the first test prep provider to offer an ARE guarantee. If you use our expert membership to the fullest and don't pass the ARE, we will pay for your retake. I'll share that link in the chat with more info on that as well. Um, We're also releasing new and improved study content all year long. We've already added section quizzes for all six divisions of the ARE and revamped our construction and evaluation uh, materials. Up next is practice management. We've just released over 100 brand new PCM flashcards, giving some extra attention to firm financials and business structures. These flashcards are a little bit of a sneak preview of our new PCM videos that we'll be releasing in the coming months. Black Spectacles is also expanding its offerings to help architects thrive throughout their entire careers beyond test prep and software learning. We'd like to extend an invitation to join Spectacular, this professional network built specifically for architecture and design. Create your free free profile today to check out our job board add your portfolio to, uh, of your work, and explore our curated collection of projects from around the world. I just shared the link uh, to sign up for Spectacular in the chat as well. Uh, join us on September 15th, 2022, for our next AIRI Live episode, a mock exam on project planning and design. We'll focus on several questions related to the preliminary design of sites and buildings, design concepts, sustainability, and various codes and regulations. We'll also answer any of your PPD questions with a live Q&A session. We'll be sending out a mock exam link in the coming weeks so you can test your knowledge before going over your answer, answers live during the broadcast. I'll post the link to register it in the chat box in your GoToWebinar control panel, or you can go to go.blackspectacles.com forward slash ARE-live to sign up. Today, we'll be engaging exclusively in our online ARE community. If you think of any questions you'd like to ask Garrick in our Q&A session, we, uh, be sure to post them there. You can either click the link that I just shared in the chat box or find it in the Airy Live section of our Airy Community homepage. Everyone who posts in our thread today will be entered to win a free Black Spectacles t-shirt. So head over to community.blackspectacles.com and just say hi. Uh, don't forget to stay tuned until the end of the podcast to see if you've won. I shared the link in the chat box and you can find it in the episode description if you're listening after the broadcast Uh, without further ado i'd like to welcome our special guest garrick baker garrick is an architect at bruce mcmillan aia architects and is also a virtual workshop instructor for black spectacles garrick's worked on a multitude of projects that include historic preservation new construction and renovated spaces and in his free time he's written and published the young professionals handbook And he's currently working on publishing the Young Professionals Handbook Manager's Edition. So welcome, Garrick. And with that, I will hand it off to you. Okay. Thank you for that great
1: introduction there, Chris. Um, We've got a lot of great, or a lot of information to be going through today. So I'm just going to dive right on in uh, with the scenario here. So Bruce McMillan, AIA Architects, PA. And if anybody's wondering, it's not Practicing Architect, it's Professional Association. Is working on the contract administration phase of the Douglas Recreation Center, a two-story, 16,000 square foot athletic facility in Kansas with a basketball court, running track, exercise area, and community room. The substantial completion date per the contract for construction is March 1st, 2021. Below are select notes from a recent OAC, and as we know from our studying and some of the online workshops, we know that OAC stands for Owner-Architect-Contractor Meeting. So some of the key factors were the contractor requests the architect schedule their substantial completion inspection in the next two weeks. Pay application number 10 will be resubmitted according to the architect's markup within the next two business days. The team discussed the architect's pay application 10 markups and were in agreement on all but the glass and glazing and elevator line items. The team agreed that these line items can be billed at 100% as originally submitted. Carpet installation is ongoing and is proceeding according to schedule. Carpeting represents 25% of its line item on the schedule of values. And I might just kind of step aside here and say that uh, make sure that uh, you kind of pay attention to all of these specific bullet points. Uh, They've been noted for a reason. Um, They're not just there as to kind of confuse anybody or anything like that. So. Uh, As you're taking your exam, make sure you're, whenever you're reading through uh, you really take note of kind of all of the information that they're providing to you. And then the following resources are available for your reference. So we've got our pay application number 10, field reports. uh, We do have the construction documents, all of the drawings that were put together between uh, our firm and a lot of our consultants. We've also provided you with a blank Uh, change order. We've also got ASI number 24 as read bid summary that we presented to the city commission so they could determine who to award the project to in the very beginning. And then we've also got our spec sections for scoreboards along with the actual scoreboard submittal that our subcontractor uh, submitted through the general contractor. So I'm just going to hop through some of these quick reference documents here. So the and first just
0: one. To note, uh, okay. Just to note, Garrick, on these uh, references. I just just want to let everyone know this. Um, there's probably more references here than uh, you would typically see on a case study. Uh, Garrick was um, great in providing so many documents, and I didn't want to hold any back. And uh, we thought we'd just share as much with you all uh, today as possible. So um, I'd expect you know four or five documents on an actual case study. Um, so so don't get scared when you see all these documents today. It's a uh, it's meant for practice um and garrick i really appreciate that you you know you read through this and you mentioned you know make sure you take note of these specific items noted in the scenario i think some people um might kind of skip over reading the scenario in full or um when they're answering the questions they might forget that it exists but there is um definitely important information to answering the questions right in that scenario and um i think an important thing to talk about when we're talking about case studies is uh, timing. You know, I think there's two strategies about when to go after the case study. Uh, some people like to go through the exam in order and therefore take the case study last. Um, and that's that's one strategy that makes sense that allows you to take a break at any time and, and you don't have to complete your case study before the break. Um, and the other side of the coin, some people like to do the case study first. Um, I, I kind of like that strategy because it lets you... Um, it lets you see all of these resources that are available, um, and they might have some hints that allow you to answer questions, uh, you know, the discrete questions on the exam. Here, for example, um, you've got the blank g 701, the change order form that's provided to you. You've also got a pay application. Um, you know, if you get a discrete question about one of those things, you, you might be able to look at the case study resources and uh, get a hint on the answer. So with that, take us through those um, those resources Gary.
1: Yes, and as Chris had mentioned, there are plenty of resources here, uh, more than you'll see on the exam. We just wanted to be thorough in some of the information we provided so you guys can uh, see kind of what went on behind the scenes on this project since it was actually built and completed on time and on budget. But uh, starting with our resources here, we do have our construction documents. Um, One thing that I'm going to point out here is that we do have our sheet index. Um, This goes through and details out in much more um, context uh, how to find and navigate the document set. If I can get my screen to cooperate. So we do have a lot of our cover, code compliance information, demolition, um, all within the C series. So we know from uh, just kind of the way that our documents are put together, that is our civil series. So, our civil uh, subcontractor was able to work with that. And then we do have the A series. So, for all of our architectural information, we've got our site plans, floor plans, uh, interior elevations, and schedules and details. And then it continues further down with our structural, uh, mechanical, electrical, and plumbing. So, that's one way that we can navigate quickly um, on our documents just for the construction documents themselves. We've also included in the references an ASI that happened to come up during uh, the project that we needed to have some supplemental information put on there. At the very beginning of the project, we also had our ASRED bid summary. So these are put together um, generally so that we can approach our city commissions or county commissions on our municipal projects to say that, okay, these were all of our base bids. So the base bid is eh, kind of if you're familiar with, Automobiles, this is kind of your stock model. It doesn't have all the bells and whistles and everything. So um, all of those are included within your alternates over here. And then we can go ahead and add all of those up. And we use this to then make a recommendation to our client, whomever that may be. We've also got field report 25 and 26, Um, just as you guys are flipping through those. These are specific to our firm, uh, but a lot of the information that's covered is very standard uh, across the industry. Uh, So while the appearance may not be what your firm typically does, the information is generally the same. And then they've also given us our pay application. And this is the standard uh, G series, the G702, that the contractor has supplied us for their pay application number 10. We've also got uh, the letter of transmittal, so this is the actual submittal that we received on the scoreboards and um, it is an action submittal, so we know that we need to do something with that. That submittal is also based upon our specification sections and if you guys are uh, familiar or not familiar, I'll kind of help go through some of this information as well. Uh, We do use the master spec format and that allows us to Uh, not have to start from scratch on writing our specifications. And then for our bonus question, we do have the uh, sample change order document there that we'll go ahead and go through as well. But
0: I'll flip this back over to our
1: scenario here. Uh, Chris, do you have any uh, further comments before we hop into question number one?
0: No, that's it. Let's get right into it and uh, take a look at question one. Okay.
1: So I'm going to switch over to pay application 10 real quick now then. Uh, I've reduced the size of the screen here so we can go ahead and read through some of the questions that you guys were provided. So our question is, the architect is reviewing the revised pay application number 10 and is reviewing each line item and comparing them to their marked up copy, as well as the notes from the recent OAC meeting. What should the revised current payment be? Round to the nearest dollar. So before we ever hop back into our document here, we know that we are reviewing each line item. Um, And we know from our studying and our online workshops, our line items are then on the continuation form as well. And then we'll also have our marked up uh, options there as well. And then as well as notes from the recent owner architect contractor meeting. So now we know that some of that uh, information within those bullet points within our original scenario, we've got to start to take some of that into account. So I'm going to switch over to our pay application number 10 now and we'll make this a little bit larger here so we can actually see it. We're going to scroll down to our continuation sheet because this is where some of the discrepancies happened uh, during our OAC meeting. So we noted that within our discussions um, our doors and hardware we're not going to be able to bill out that at hundred percent completely. We're only going to be able to do 85 percent. Our glass and glazing and our elevator installations, we've agreed to um, 100% for that line item there. But then we're also looking at the painting. Um, We're going to say that that is 80% rather than the 90%. So before we go through and start working on the math, if you've never gone through um, one of these continuation sheets before, uh, just some of the mechanics of it, you can go through each one of these um, line item by line item. So I'm just going to walk through Uh, line item number one here. We have our general conditions. General conditions are usually include like your site utilities, um, dumpster fees, porter potties, anything that um, just generally fits within the project in order to make it happen. So on our scheduled value in our column C here, we note that the contractor has allocated $296,000 to this particular line item. So all of that or all of those three items that I listed earlier fall within that amount there. Since we are working off of pay application number 10, we can assume that we've had one through nine already reviewed and approved. So from previous applications in this column D, we've got 250,000 and a few odd dollars there that has been paid out thus far uh, for the general conditions. Work in place is what the contractor is claiming that was done during this application or this pay period. So we're going to look at our column E here, and they are saying that they are charging $31,126 being completed this go round. Stored materials, uh, we do have this left blank. However, if you're ever on a project or in the exam and there's a significant amount of materials that are on site being stored um, or needing to be paid for up front, uh, just in order to get them purchased. That's where that number would go here. However, our contractor chose not to do so. Uh, They're just gonna go ahead and say, it's all work in place. So we look to our column G now. So total completed and stored to date. So this is gonna be columns D plus E and F. So we're gonna take that $250,293 plus the 31,000. And that gives us the total of our 281,420. And then, if we happen to look into this one, we can see the percentage that's been completed thus far. So, we take our column G and we're going to divide it by our column C. So, currently, the contractor is billing out 95% of his general conditions on our contract. You can also find out how much is left to complete uh, fairly easily. So, you're going to take out your Scheduled value in your column C, and you're going to subtract column G, so the 281, and that means that we have a remaining balance of $14,811 to finish just for the general conditions portion. Under this project, we did have to have a 10% retainage on here. So that retainage allows the owner to. Uh, withhold some funds just in case the contractor defaults on the project or for some unknown reason uh, cannot complete it. They are left with then some funds to go out and hire a new contractor to help them uh, complete what they've got done. So that is kind of a kind of quick very run through on um, kind of how each one of these line items works horizontally. And that gives you all of your current balances and everything. So then working through it vertically, if we look to move this here real quick, if we look vertically, we can see all of our schedule of values, um, previous applications and everything. We'll go down to our next continuation sheet. So if we added up all of those numbers within that column itself, our total is 3,731,000. So this is our contract balance. And then if we look to the next column over, we have previously awarded $2,940,000 in payment to the contractor for completed work. They are then saying that we have $460,000 or so dollars allocated during this 30-day period. So if we take all of or those two numbers there together, we get the 3399 and some change there. So they are claiming that they are nearly 91% done with the project with a total of $331,000 remaining to be uh, completed. And then we've also got our retained. So the owner knows uh, they can hold on to that $340,000 until the project's complete or until both parties agree to release it. So that is just a really quick rundown of how we kind of work through a lot of the math on these. So, going back to our question real quick. Sorry. So, the architect is reviewing the revised pay application number 10 and is reviewing each line item and comparing them to their marked up copy as well as the notes from the recent OAC meeting. What should the revised current payment be? Round to the nearest dollar. So, I'm going to maximize this again here. So, we're looking and we know that our Line item for doors and hardware. We are saying that they're not 100% complete. They're only going to be 85%. So what I'm going to do then is I'm going to bring up my calculator, and we're going to look at that 100% number uh, for completion. So our scheduled value, if it was 100% complete on our doors and hardware, we're going to be charging that 53,500. So let's go ahead and take that 53,500. During our OAC meeting, we said, well, it's only 85% then. It's not actually 100. So let's go ahead and multiply that by 0.85 to get our 85% complete. So that means that we are saying that the contractor can bill out the $45,475. So just for ease of following all of this, I'm going to go ahead and enter that number in there. So for that line item, uh, at 85%, we are saying that we can bill out the 45,475 rather than the full 53,500. So some of the other items that we had, glass and glazing, well, we said that was going to be 100% there. Uh, I believe some of the other ones, uh, the elevator, we said, yeah, that one can be 100% as well. But in the painting, we're going to notice that we are changing it from 90 to 80%. So I'm going to go ahead and take our full 100% allowance for the painting. So we are looking at 42,500. And we're going to say that it's only 80%. So we're going to multiply that by 0.8. So this gives us a nice round $34,000 there. move that one up over for line item 22. So our painting is now 80% complete and we are only charging 34000 So if we take, I'm going to drag these over here real quick just so we can do this fairly quickly. So let's say the difference between these two numbers. So we've got our 53500 which they are claiming they have complete but we said well actually you've only got $45,475 complete for the doors and hardware that's $8,025 of difference so if you guys are taking any notes or anything out there uh, make sure that you copy this number down uh, keep that somewhere handy because we are going to need it and then we have uh, what they have claimed on the painting line item they're claiming the 38,250, which is 90%. So we are using this number rather than the 100%. So we're taking the difference, not the actual percentage of the total. So the 38,250 minus our 34,000, and that gives us a total of 4,250. So the difference between those two line items is gonna be the 4,250, and let's go ahead and add back that eight thousand twenty-five that we just copied down a moment ago. So we are looking at a difference of twelve thousand two hundred seventy-five. Let's scroll down then to our total completed here, and what we can do is know that that twelve thousand two hundred seventy-five dollars is going to be subtracted from this number here because that was how much our discrepancy was for. So let's take our three three nine nine two three zero forty. Minus the $12,275. So this means that our new completed and stored to date is going to be this 3.3 figure. So let's go ahead and put that on our pay application as well. So now our new total for our column G is that number. I'm going to copy this. I'm going to take it up onto my cover sheet then. So as we're looking at how we're doing this, we can notice that our original contract sum uh, was three million, excuse me, eight hundred and thirty-eight thousand one hundred and forty-two dollars. Our net change by change orders so far has been one hundred and seven thousand. So contract sum to date. So if we notice, they give us our little hints here. Line one plus line two gives us the three point seven figure. And then the total completed and stored to date, column G on 703. Okay, so we know here this is where we're starting to use some of the math that we had calculated earlier. So I'm going to bring that number back, and I'm going to substitute that for that number there. Now then, just for the sake of expediency, rather than going through and calculating up all of those uh, vertical columns, especially for our retainage, what I'm going to do then, is I'm going to multiply that 3,386,000 and I'm going to multiply that by 0.1 or 10% to get our new retainage. So here is our new retainage number. Since we don't have anything that we are storing to date, um, that uh, columns D and E we don't have anything that we're storing. So that's going to just be blank there. It's going to be zero. So our total retainage, so these two added together, of course, is going to be that $338,695. So let's do the following one, total earned less retainage. So we know that our line four less line five, is what we have. So we have the 3386,955 and 40 cents. And we're going to subtract out 338,695.54. So this means we have three million. I'm going to get myself a text box here so we can mark this out. So our new total subtracting our retainage is basically three million dollars and then some change there. Our less previous Uh, Certificates for payment. So our certificates for payments uh, one through nine then totals at two point six million dollars. This will be carried over from each pay application. So we know uh, that number will not change. We didn't change anything on this one. So we're going to take our current payment due. So they had already claimed that we've got the four hundred and thirteen thousand that they would like to bill out. So let's go ahead and take our um line four or excuse me our line six so the three zero four eight two five nine eighty six and we're going to subtract that two six four six twenty five ninety two to get four hundred and two thousand two hundred and thirty three dollars and ninety four cents let me get my text box here I'm going to add this in here so that means that the new current payment due is the four hundred and two thousand two hundred and thirty three ninety four however if we remember from our question we need to round to the nearest whole dollar so for the amount that we are going to certify for this pay period is going to be four hundred and two thousand two hundred and thirty four dollars so our answer for question number one is four hundred two thousand two hundred and thirty four dollars
0: yeah thanks for taking us through that Garrick that was a that was a great explanation and um, I love practicing these these multi-step math questions um kind of like the ones that we we went through in last month's area live um, on PCM I, I think it's important to practice these for a couple of reasons um Firstly, when you're taking the exam, you're going to need to use the whiteboard to answer these types of questions. Um, as, as you can see, as Garrett was going through this, there's a, a bunch of numbers that you need to keep track of that are going to feed into your answer later on. Um, and when doing that, I would um, don't just write the number on the whiteboard. I would take the extra few seconds and write out some context, write out what the number means, um, put a unit, put the dollar sign in this case, or a percentage sign. And um, definitely include commas. I mean, if you miss a digit uh, by accident, you'll you'll definitely notice if you're uh, if you've included the commas. Um, so definitely important to practice these types of questions. The other reason I think is that um, you know you've got about two and a half minutes per question on, on the ARE in general, and this question is obviously going to take a little bit longer than that to answer. So um, it's super important if you're going to invest that time to. Make sure that your answer is uh, the right one, and I, I think um, on a question like this, it's really important to uh, double check your work somehow. Um, on this one, I would say um, if you take a look at the the continuation sheet and you you add up the reductions in um, just mentally, you don't have to do it with a calculator, but just mentally add up the reduction that we were um, taking to each line item. It makes sense. Um, you know, it's about eleven thousand dollars. It makes sense. I mean, first of all. Your number should obviously be less than the number noted uh, on the sheet, right? We know we're reducing. So if you've got a higher number, you, you've uh, probably added something you should have subtracted. But um, just take that extra minute to do a gut check at the end of a long question and make sure you actually got it right. Um, so with that, let's uh, take a look at question two. Okay, so I will
1: show question number two. So the architect is reviewing an application for payment on December 27th and is trying to determine if the contractor's application includes the correct amount for carpeting based on the architect's observations. What is an appropriate amount to certify for carpeting on this application for payment? Um, Just as I'm reading this question, I'm thinking, well, there's a few things that stand out in my mind, um, application for payment on December 27th. So I'm thinking this may be kind of something that I really need to consider there Um, and then we're looking at the carpeting specifically but if I remember back to my scenario I also remember that they said something about uh, the carpeting within those bullet points and then based on the architect's observations okay so there's some already key information that we can pick up there that um, we're going to be looking at possibly the pay application Um, perhaps we also need to be looking at um, well, let's say our architect's observations. So maybe we need to look at our field reports as well. So let me pull up some of our documents here. Let's go ahead and kind of see what we've got for our field reports. What are we observing on site? Um, So we're looking here, well, I can already notice that our date is December 24th. So it's three days before our pay application is due. So again, a lot of this information is pretty standard for a field report. may look different in your office. but um, So let's see what some of the items are. Let's see. Carpet installation continues at the mezzanine at the exercise area. Approximately 30 to 40 percent is complete. Northeast portion has been set. Mastic is in process, working east to west. Okay, so right there we already know from our question, we're looking for something regarding the carpeting. And we're observing on this report three days before our application for payment, we notice this 30 to 40% complete. Okay, let's check with our other field report just to see kind of what information's on there. Well, we're going to look at our date of January 25th. So this is nearly a full month after our original payment has been uh, requested. So I don't know that this is going to be too relevant because there's also been a month's worth of work. Um, well here we see carpet installation is completed the mezzanine offices and community room. So that doesn't really apply to the 27th. This was a month prior too. So uh, let's go ahead and use our field report 25 as uh, something that we've observed on site. So let's also go ahead and look at our uh, pay application. What exactly is the contractor claiming for this amount? Uh, Let's see, so let's go through and flooring. If we remember our original scenario, carpeting represents 25% of its line item on the schedule of values. Okay, so we know that we can't use the entire flooring number of 151,000. And we know that it's 25% from our um, information there. So what we're going to do is we're going to take that 151,000 and we're gonna multiply that by 25. So this means that within our contract balance, $37,750 has been allocated just to carpeting. It's not the entire flooring budget. We're just looking at the carpet here. So if we kind of glance back at some of our options, uh, 37,750, we can already scratch that one out because that's 100%. And if we remember back to our field report three days prior, they were only 30 to 40 percent. So they probably didn't complete uh, that remaining 60 to 70 percent. So we can't say uh, the 37,750. Um, just by kind of deducing that, we'll look at that 52,000. Well, that's more than 100 percent, and you can't have 100 more than 100 percent of your carpeting installed. So right there, we've already eliminated two options. Sorry. Go back to our pay application and our calculator. So that leaves the ten thousand five hundred and then thirteen thousand five hundred. So we said that we were looking at on field report twenty five, and I'll show this again here. So three days before our application for payment, the carpet is approximately thirty to forty percent complete. Okay, so if we're thirty to forty, let's go ahead and say thirty five percent. So we're going to multiply that thirty seven thousand seven hundred and fifty let's multiply that by 35%. So we're looking at $13,212.50. Now that's getting pretty darn close to this answer here. But what does that 10 what percent are we looking at for the 10,500? Let's divide that by our 37,750. Well, that's only 20%. So how could we be less of a percentage? Uh, three days later. So they would have had to have torn carpet out, and we don't really want that. So that leaves that our final answer then is going to be that 13500 as our answer for question number two, because it's closest to that 30 to 40 percent being completed on December
0: 27th. Yeah, I think this uh, question is a really good example of why it's important to go through the uh, read the scenario um, before you get started with these questions and um, just poke through the documents, uh, the resource documents, just like Eric did at the beginning of this. Um, you know, we're, we're pulling information from the scenario and uh, two of the documents, the pay application and these um, meeting minutes. It's it's also, I think, important when you're reading this question um, to, to note that the date uh, is included in the question, December 27th and From your studying, you should know that dates are also included on field reports. You probably also know that from your experience working um, in the field. So that's kind of a good hint as to where to look for information about about how complete the carpet is. Um, So, yeah, Garrick, why don't you take us on to question three?
1: Okay. So the architect is performing their substantial completion walkthrough and is preparing the punch list. The architect is currently observing the staff room 104 which of the following elements cannot be included on the punch list so within our question here what is a punch list and if we remember from our studying uh, perhaps we've experienced it on site sometime or uh, in our virtual workshops we know that a punch list is listing uh, aspects of the work that quite aren't complete Uh, maybe they're in process or they haven't been shipped or arrived yet Uh, So these are items that are still outstanding and need to be completed on the job. So we are looking for things that cannot be included on this punch list, which means that they have been completed. Uh, Let's go ahead and take a look at kind of what we've got here. So floor transitions, rubber base, countertop, grommets, adjustable shelving, and ball carts. A lot of this seems like some interior elevation information to me. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna hop over to my construction documents real quick. Let's make sure first that all of these items are listed within the contract documents. So I'm going to go ahead and I'll zoom in here on our sheet index here. So if I am trying to find something that might indicate, okay, where do I find interior information? Oh, there's our interior elevations, and we're gonna be looking to sheet A600. Um, Just because I know this document set, that is page 27. So I'm gonna jump down um, just for the sake of time so we can keep this moving and show you some of the uh, interior elevations. We've got staff room 104, is enlarged there and staff 104. So this is our room that we need to be considering on this. So let's take a look. Did everything that was mentioned in that list need to be uh, included? So we've got counter top type one. uh, Oh, there's our type two. We've got our grommets in there. Um, Looks to me like we've got our ball carts, uh, all of our adjustable shelving within um, our cabinetry. So it seems pretty well like a lot of this, and we've also got a rubber base in there. So it seems like everything that they're listing uh, could be an option. Let's go ahead and take a look at that again. So floor transitions are not yet installed. Um, Let's also take a look at, um, let's say, our field report 26. Just because this one is the closest to the closest date that we have for our uh, substantial completion. We don't want to go a month back for that December 24th. Let's look at January 25th. So athletic flooring and elevated track flooring are installed. Striping is in process. Carpet installation is complete at the mezzanine offices and community room. Okay. So we can tell from the first two items there that all of our flooring is pretty well complete on there. So that doesn't really align with kind of our option here. We know that the uh, flooring has been installed. So uh, that one may be a pretty good answer then, Uh, rubber base partially installed. We can't really see anything from our field report that might indicate anything about our rubber base. and if it's partially installed that means it's not completely done so we probably should list that on our punch list. So let's go ahead and strike the rubber base partially installed, because that still needs to be done, and we need to have that on our punch list. Then we're going to look to countertop type 2, not yet installed. Well, if we look back, oh, cabinetry at the offices and community room installed, coiling counter door installed as well. So um, we know that it's been installed. So an answer might be pretty good then, too, because it can't be listed uh, because it's already done and then the grommets not installed in the desk. Well, we can read just from our language there that it's not installed. We don't really see anything indicating within that field report that the grommets were installed. So that's still outstanding work. So we can't really use it either. We're gonna strike that one out. Adjustable shelving and ball carts, uh, not yet installed, not observed on site. We can confirm that we did have those within our construction documents, but we can't confirm anything Uh, within our field report. So these are items that have not been completed, so we're gonna have to strike through those too. So if we look back at the two options that we did leave, was the floor transitions are not yet installed and countertop type two not yet installed. And we could verify through our field report that well, actually, yes, they were. So we cannot include those two items on a punch list. So therefore, uh, floor transitions are not yet installed and countertop type two are the correct answers for this question
0: and with this question i think um, of all the questions that we've included today i think this one you you might be tempted to answer without um taking a look at the case study documents it's um you know you might say i know what can and can't be on a punch list um you know and, and i could just go through these answers and and uh figure it out but i would encourage you not to do that on a case study there um is most likely information um, in the resources and, and the scenario that are, are gonna lead you to a specific answer. So definitely um, on every case study question, I would consider what resource can I look at um, to answer this question. And then the other thing about this one is the question is asking which of the following cannot be included, check the two that apply. You can easily, if it's more comfortable for you in your mind, think about which of the following can be included, think about the four that can be included and then select the other two. Um, so. It's uh, really a preference thing, but just always keep in mind that you could um, certainly consider uh, flipping these questions in your mind if it's easier for you to think about a certain way. Um, Let's keep going, Garrick, you're on a roll.
1: Okay. So at the very beginning, we've got our bidding phase. So we're gonna go through kind of how to possibly uh, recommend a contractor to your client or the owner. So during the bidding phase, several alternates were listed the owner chose to accept the base bid along with all four alternates. Which contractor was the lowest responsible bidder? Okay, so we already know that we're talking about our bidding phase. Let's go back and look. Well, right here's our bid summary. Okay, so let's go ahead and work on uh, some math here. Let me go ahead and get my calculator, calculator open. So for our architect's estimate, we estimated that it was four and a half million. Plus forty two four eight eight, plus thirty one two three four, plus seven five. So we are looking at nearly four point six million. So then, contractor A, they've also acknowledged that they've got their bid bond, their addenda. So by acknowledging that, we're saying, okay, they were responsible. They've got their bid bond in there. They've got uh, all three addenda are accounted for, so they received all the same information that everybody else did. So we're going to say $4 million for that base bid. Again, uh, this is kind of the stock option. It doesn't have all the bells and whistles or the um, wants for the project. It has all the needs. So we're going to add in our wants here. So we're going to add in $51,000 35000 40000 6000 so then we've got our four one three two, and we'll go ahead and enter that into our bid document as well. So then the next one, and while a lot of these uh, just seem like simple math problems, again you always want to go back and kind of double check yourself. That way then you make sure that you have um, all of the right answers and all of the right numbers in there.
0: So I'm going to enter that one into
1: there. Plus 38, 30. So already we can start to see a couple of these numbers falling below uh, some of the others, specifically that 3.8 uh, and 3.8. So we've got two that are pretty close there. Let's see what we've got for contractor D here. Now that one's back up above 4,000. So we already know we can kind of potentially exclude that one from our recommendation. So let's take a look at our numbers here. So we've got our 3838, um, and then we've also got 3875. So let's take our 3875, and we're going to subtract that 3838142. So we know that our contractor B is now. $36,000, $36,000, almost $40,000 less than the next lowest contractor. So what we'll do is we will make a recommendation to our client that we are going to select contractor B because they are nearly $40,000. And as we noted with the bid bond and the addenda and uh, potentially all of the other uh, pre-qualifications and everything, we know that these are responsible bidders and they are the lowest ones. So we
0: have our lowest responsible bidder as contractor B. Yeah, so this question is, uh, it's, it's relatively simple math. It will take you a little bit of time to go through on the ARE and um, uh, take notes of, of these um, numbers on the whiteboard. So um, another type of question where I would definitely recommend just um, taking it slow and double checking your math. You, you know, If you're gonna invest the time, you wanna get the question correct especially if the math is simple. Um, On the other um, side of the coin, I can say, you know, for a multiple choice question that's math-based, if you're concerned about time on the exam, uh, you could consider leaving this one until the end and taking an educated guess. For for this question in particular, um, the base bids, and this is typical of, of bidding, but the base bids Are um, so much higher than the bid alternates that the base bid is is really weighing this total bid, right? So if you were to just look through the base bids and um, at least, um, you know, just make an educated guess between contractors B and C, um, you know, you've at least got a 50% chance of getting it right. So consider that if you're worried about time on the exam. Um, Otherwise, double check your math. So let's move on to question five. Those were
1: really great recommendations on that one. Thank you, Chris. Okay, so the next question The architect is reviewing the scoreboard submittal received from the contractor. What actions should the architect take? Let's again, let's see if we can eliminate some. So take no action, forward to the owner for review, approve the submitted product, or reject the submittal. Well, this is an action submittal. We have asked within our specification that a scoreboard submittal be presented to us so that we could take an action on it. So taking no action, we can go ahead and scratch out there. Uh, We've got to take some action. Then we look at forward to the owner for review. The reason we are hired for the construction administration is because the owner is delegating that responsibility to us, and we know through our uh, AIA contracts and everything else that the architect has the ability uh, to review and concur that, yes, this submittal does uh, meet the design intent that we did uh, originally uh, put forth. So forwarding to the owner for review when that's actually our responsibility, it has been contractually given to us, that doesn't really seem to fit with what we need to do. So <clears throat> from here, we know we can approve or reject this submittals. we've got a 50-50. It's either a yes, it's okay, or no, it's not okay. So let's go ahead and take a look. But first we're going to go over to our specifications. What exactly are we asking for within that? Um, again, we've got a lot of our general information that we can kind of maybe skip over just for the sake of time. So let's see, acceptable manufacturers. We're going to say Nevco Inc. Uh, we wrote our specifications this way because the owner does have uh, other Nevco scoreboards. So they have uh, additional uh, control boards or uh, replacement lights or something like that. So anytime something goes wrong, they can go ahead and pull from their uh, maintenance department and just swap out parts fairly easily. So we went ahead and requested that they be NEVCO. Let's see what our contractor has provided to us. So let's go ahead. Uh, We did have our transmittal page there, which we can kind of ignore for the moment. So submittal, um, let's take a look at uh, what they've got here. So, varsity scoreboard seems to be the brand in a factory direct subdivision of sportable scoreboards. Now, we already know this, it's not an approved manufacturer, so I don't know that we can really accept that. But um, so, just right off the bat, we know that we can probably scratch that one out. Uh, looking at some of the other information, um, maybe seeing why the contractor submitted this, well, three foot by eight foot. Uh, High and wide, eight inches deep, weight, 62 pounds. Let's take a look back at, I mean, were they in the ballpark at least, besides the manufacturer? Uh, Three foot by eight foot by eight inches deep. So overall dimensions, they were pretty darn close. But our hanging weight uh, is almost double what we called out. So if we have any special connections or clips or anything like that, uh, this has the potential to fall down and hurt somebody. So. From here, I think what we're gonna have to do is reject the submittal because one, it's not an approved manufacturer and it's twice the weight of our other one. So therefore, since we know from our 50-50, we could either approve or reject. So at this time, we're gonna go ahead and reject the submittal.
0: Yeah, and I think uh, I really liked your, your strategy there of eliminating uh, two of those choices right off the bat just based on your, um, your knowledge of what you should and shouldn't do uh, when reviewing a submittal. Um, so again, if you're running out of time on the exam, you've at least made this a 50-50 proposition. Um, the, other, the other thing I'll say about um, a type of question like this is, uh, like I said before, you've got about two and a half minutes on the exam per question. And uh, I think it would be kind of unfair for a question to ask you to approve a submittal for that to be the right answer because um, as we all know from reviewing any submittals, it takes a little bit of time to go through all of the information and determine if you can approve it. So, um, if I was going to guess, I would guess to reject just based on that, to be totally honest, but um, I also really liked your strategy of taking a look at the submittal and starting with the information that's, um, big picture stuff, Um, the size of the scoreboard, the manufacturer, um, starting at the top and not getting into electrical requirements and the nitty-gritty of the submittal. Um, It's important to do that on the ARE just to be efficient with your time and I would say, uh, you know, same idea in your work, you should review submittals the same way. Uh, Let's take it away with the last official question here and then we'll get to our bonus question.
1: Okay. So the owner wants to make sure that the lines for each individual court are easily visible in rank and hierarchy. But then the subcontractor submittal, the color selection for the side basketball or cross court lines and the track lines have been left blank. Which colors did the owner choose for the cross courts and the track lines? So I'm just going to kind of poke back through this question here. So why would the line colors not be? Uh, selected at this time. So I'm gonna guess that it probably wasn't called out in our drawings or specifications. So um, where else might it be? Let's look back at our reference documents. It wouldn't be under the bidding. Uh, Again, we just eliminated our construction documents because it wasn't included in there. Pay applications wouldn't be where we have that, not a change order. So let's go ahead and assume that it's perhaps maybe a supplemental information or ASI number 24 here. So if I maximize this, we're looking at court striping in the hierarchy. So we can already tell that this information was gonna be supplemented in addition to uh, the submittal that our subcontractor passed through our general. So if we look at our cross court basketball, we are looking at gray, and then our track lines are white. So this information is covered through the ASI. So we can go ahead and say, that our cross-court basketball lines are gray and our track color lines are white?
0: Yeah, super straightforward question. I don't have much to add to this one other than uh, that it definitely helps to know where to look for this information, right? So um, having scrolled through your resources at the beginning of, of uh, taking a look at this case study is, is definitely gonna help you answer this question quickly. Um, and this is a type of question where we've we've talked about a few questions in this case study that we thought would take more than the average amount of time uh, to answer the, the two and a half minutes and, and this is a type of question where hopefully you can answer it in uh 45 seconds or something if you've um if you've um, taken a look at the documents ahead of time and you can uh start to average out the time of your, per question on the exam all right uh ready for the bonus question Garrick? sure i am so um, I just want to preface this um, this question with, this is not a type of question you will see on the ARE itself. Um, you're not going to be asked, well, I guess you could see it as a drag and place type of question, but um, you won't be asked to fill out a document like this on the ARI in, um, you know, like a fill in the blank type of question with multiple inputs. Um, we're, we're just providing this um, instruction um, from Garrick as a way to teach how to do this. And it's a little bit of a preview of how he teaches um, the virtual workshops on on Sundays when he's doing that so
1: take it away yep exactly so uh Black Spectacles does have like their four areas of uh, that we see typically uh, folks who are taking their exams uh, encounter so really wanted to put this one in here just as a way of working through how to actually fill out a change order Um, so the owner has requested a furniture furnishing and equipment or FF&E as we can like to say allowance of forty thousand dollars an allowance for graphics of $10,000 and an allowance for data and wiring in the amount of $57,000 to be included within the contractor's bid and listed on the schedule of values. The owner then requests that the allowance be deducted from the contract balance so that they may purchase and facilitate the furniture and equipment through their facilities department. Fill out a change order as shown on Pay Application 10 that reflects this credit back to the owner. So let's go down and let's get Our sample change order. So right up top we can notice that uh, we're going to need some pretty general information like what's the project, who's the owner, Uh, and I'll give you a little bit of a uh, tip or trick here just if you guys uh, have to fill one of these out in your office and you maybe don't know all of the information, grab one of your uh, certificates for payment. It already has the owner, the contractor, and the project listed there as well. So I'm going to go ahead and fill this out now. So I know that the prog progr- project is the Douglas Recreation Center. I know that it's 925 Yuma Street, Manhattan, Kansas, and I know that from the pay application. So there's our project, our address, uh, zip, and all that good stuff. So then the owner, the city of, oops, city of Manhattan, they're at uh, 1101 points, they're just down the street from us, and then um, I don't know why they didn't give me city. So then whenever we're going through and filling out uh, more of the contract information, the contract is for construction. We're not doing a renovation or It's not a demolition contract or anything else this is brand new construction so we're going to say that our contract is for construction. The contract date we can also see uh, was contract date January 4th of 2020. So let's go ahead and fill that one out there as well. So we're looking at January 4th 2020. Architect of course was us. Just for the sake of this okay and then we can deduce from um, our pay application we haven't had any other pay applications get, or excuse me any other change orders uh, deducted this is going to be the first one that we have on here as change order one so up here for change order you'll have one and again you want to put these in order so that way then you know um, chronologically what took place when, uh, date, I don't believe we gave you guys that so I'm just going to call this April 1st of 20. Our contractor was Trinium Inc and they were at I think 214 South 4th Street. Okay so then we've got all of our basic uh, information there so let's go ahead and see how the contract is changed as follows. So we need to um, insert in a description here. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna change the contract by owner allowance, allowances to include our furniture, furnishing and equipment. We're gonna say that was 40,000 from our question and then we've also got a graphics allowance to hang all kinds of posters we gave them about ten thousand dollars in that one and then uh, IT and allowance and that one was fifty-seven thousand. dollars So we're changing uh, as follows now then as we're looking kind of further down here and getting into Really nitty gritty detail of it all. Um, We've never heard any mention of a GMP or a guaranteed maximum price. So I think from this, we're going to have to assume that that was the contract sum. So that contract sum, and if we look at the very beginning, we know that that was 3838142. So 3, I've got to get in the right box. So 3838. One four two zero zero. Okay, and then since we said that this was our first change order, the net change by previously authorized changes would be zero because we haven't had any. And then our contract sum, well, we said that our GMP wasn't mentioned anywhere, so we're going to take that one out there, and it's going to still be that same three hundred thirty-eight thousand one hundred forty-two because we've added or subtracted zero dollars from it. So we're going to say our GMP or excuse me our contract sum, not our GMP will be and this is going to be a credit back to our owner. So we're not charging more, we're actually decreasing the contract amount because we're giving it back to our owner. So we're going to strike through those two items there. If we looked at uh, the 40,000, 10,000 and 5700, we are now subtracting 107 thousand from our contract balance. So the new contract sum, again, we're scratching out our GMP, will be the $3,731,142. So that is the new amount that the owner, or excuse me, the contractor can charge or bill the owner. So since this is just an allowance, uh, essentially all we're doing is moving paper across the desk. We're not actually uh, adding any time or anything like that. So the contract time and we're going to say it's going to be unchanged because it's just clerical or administrative in nature. So we're going to leave unchanged there by and we're going to say zero or zero date. So the new date of substantial completion and if we remember from our question that was going to be March 1st of 2020 and that remains still the March 1st because we added zero days. All we did was took that owner allowance and gave it back to the owner for them to go spend. So just briefly, that was kind of a quick run through of how we put together a change order, and just kind of an example of what we cover in our virtual workshops.
0: Yeah, that was helpful. Um, we're gonna move a little bit into the Q and session, but staying on this document, um, we've got a question asking: Is the change order number um, is that by project or by trade? So, so the I change just, order
1: the yeah. change order number
0: um, will be
1: typically by project, uh, not by trade. So um, a lot of times we'll see folks enter uh, like PCOs, potential change orders. Um, contractors like to do that a lot, but um, it never technically becomes a change order until this document has been signed by the architect, contractor and the owner. So yeah. while the contractor may call it a change order, uh, it has to be. Committed to this document before it can be. Um, but again, uh, the change order number is dependent on, um, let's say we were further down in the project, and we had another one, so we would call it change order number three. Um, this becomes really handy whenever you're going through and well, when did we take this money out of the project? Or when did we add this component to the project or something like that?
0: Yeah, I agree with that. I think it would get messy if you did it by trade. Um, a couple of hints also, you know, the the architect contractor and owner signed this so it would be a little odd to uh, the subcontractor isn't sign it right so it would be a little bit odd to um, make the numbering by trade I think. and um, just also remember you know as the architect you you're dealing with the contractor. Um, it's the contractor's job to deal with all of their individual subs. So um, I would I would say based on that information also you' you're, you're not in charge of tracking how many change orders the Mason, masonry contractor has versus the carpenter or things like that. You know, you're, you're looking at it from a project perspective um, in, in that respect. Um, another thing I wanted to clarify here, uh, we got a question about this is um, somebody was asking if you're able to write on the resource documents on the case studies on the actual ARE and the answer is that you cannot. Um, Garrick's been doing that today uh, during ARE Live for the purposes of demonstration. Um, but you definitely can't do that on the area. You're gonna to need to use the whiteboard. And um, if you're interested in learning strategies about how to effectively use that whiteboard, um, it's definitely something we'll be doing again in, in future episodes. But um, I would encourage you to look back at last month's um, July ARA live episode of our PCM mock exam, where we had the, the real whiteboard up on the screen and we were taking some detailed notes um, using that exact tool that you will find on the exam. Um we did have a question Garrick on on number 2 this was the question about the carpet um somebody was just looking for a little extra information on why the answer wasn't 37,500
1: So whenever we look at our full amount our flooring was 151,000 just to give you a little bit of background on the project um it is a fitness center so we did have a lot of athletic flooring Uh, The lobby and restrooms, a lot of that was uh, just uh, sealed concrete. So we know that the carpet cannot account for that full 151,000. That also includes all of the other different flooring types. So that 151,000, we're going to multiply that. And through that bullet point on our scenario, we know that carpet is only 25% of the 150,000, so 0.25. So that gives us 100% of the carpet budget. So they cannot go above that number without having a change order or anything else. And then if we looked at our field reports, we knew that it was only 30 to 40% complete. So if this is the 100% number, then we know that it can't be this number. It's gotta be that, and I think we used 35% on there so somewhere between that 30 or 40 percent. So that means that the answer was the 13,212.50 or uh, the nearest one to that was 13,500.
0: Yeah, that this was a little bit of a tricky question and I included that 37,500 as an answer choice um, for this specific reason and I, I think it'll happen a lot on the exam is that you'll, you know, you'll find that some of the answers from the steps along the way in these math questions. Um, When they are multiple choice questions, those will be choices that you can pick. Um, So it's really important to make sure you're at the end of the question and that you've done all the steps necessary um, to get to the correct answer. You might be doing this question, um, be a little bit pressed for time, get to 37,500, see that that's a choice and just select it, but you've you've forgotten to account for the fact that carpeting is not 100% complete. Another another way uh, another thing that I've said probably five times already uh, on this on this episode is another way you can make sure you don't do that is read the scenario um, ahead of time and look through those documents because if you looked at the field report quickly um you would have you know it was the first line in the field report number twenty five mentioned the carpet was thirty to forty percent complete so you probably would have just scanned over that and um, you know hopefully remembered it when it was time to answer the question um the, the last, we got a few questions about question number three uh, regarding the whether or not the ball cards could be included on the change order and, um, uh, sorry, on the uh, punch list. And I can answer this one. I, th- I think um, one of the other things about this question that you need to consider is the, the punch list can't, by definition, include items that affect the habitability of the space, right? So, um, the two choices that were the correct answer to that question that can't be included, on the change order i would say if they were in fact incomplete those affected whether the space can be used for its intended purpose Um, if you don't have floor transitions you've got an accessibility problem most likely Um, and if you don't have a countertop at a reception desk i'd say you can't do reception for the building and you probably can't use the building for its intended purpose so um that's kind of where we were going there i would i would say um, i could see where where the thought was going that the ball carts are listed as by owner. So maybe they shouldn't be included on the punch list. I, I, I think they could be, even though it's a buy owner um, product. Um, and I would say that that was just not the best answer to the question. Um, and those types of questions will pop up where you have to make the, the best choice, um, given, given a, a few different options. Um, I don't think we have anything else for today, so uh, thanks everyone for joining and be sure to join us on September 15th, 2022 for our next ARI Live episode, a mock exam of the project planning and design. Uh, We'll focus on several questions related to the preliminary design of sites and buildings, design concepts, sustainability, and various codes and regulations. We'll also answer any questions uh, of your any of your PPD questions with a live Q&A session, just like we did just now. Um, and we'll be sending out a mock exam link in the coming weeks, so you can test your knowledge before going over your answers live during the broadcast. I'll post the link to register in the chat box in your webinar control panel, or you can go to go.blackspectacles.com forward slash ARE dash live to sign up. Uh, as I mentioned at the top of the webinar, Black Spectacles offers the first and only ARE pass guarantee We're so confident that if you use our expert membership to the fullest you will pass the ARE if you don't pass we'll pay for your retake to learn more about how to qualify for the guarantee or to check out our individual membership options head over to go.blackspectacles.com and i just shared the link to more to learn more about the guarantee in the chat uh don't forget to join spectacular the professional network for architecture and design we built this platform for you to showcase your portfolio seek inspiration, network with architects and firms outside of your local community, and to help you find your dream job. Uh, Head to spectacular.design to create your free profile and upload your best project today for the opportunity to be featured on our homepage. I just shared the link to register in the chat. Uh, The lucky winner of a Black Spectacles t-shirt is Jimmy M. We will reach out to you via email to get your size and shipping information. And just as a reminder, if you'd like to be eligible to win a t-shirt, post a question you have about our future topic in our community during our next AREA Live. And our community is always buzzing. It's not just during AREA Live, so feel free to poke around and see what your fellow architects are up to and asking about. Finally, be sure to stick around a few minutes to take our survey and share any suggestions you may have. I promise we read every word that you write in and use them to fine tune our upcoming episodes. Thanks for watching.